What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 13 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly sor- source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at Ready Play Movies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new, new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like, it please leave us a nice review this is april 6th 2021 and i'm your host Louis manchaca and i'm joined today by my co-host mr troy bracy yes yes we here let's do it all right troy we got uh it was a bit of a slow news week but we got a lot of content to to to, to cover this week so let's go ahead and uh, and get to it the first thing we do we gotta we gotta hit up is just the fact that you guys are uh, listening to this podcast, which means you're not watching the podcast. We got a quick uh, announcement. Our video podcasts are being d- uh, delayed for an inde- indefinite amount of time here. Uh, things aren't quite ready to go as far as videos go. So uh, we still got the Ready Press Play uh, YouTube channel. So you're more than welcome to go and subscribe to it. We got our, we're going to do our live streams. Uh, they're going to be stored there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. And uh, we got a lot to, uh, to do to make the, uh, the videos work. But I will say um, episode 11 is up on the Ready Press Play YouTube channel. You can watch it there. Um, it's a very special episode. And since it's the only video version of the podcast, that means that really means it is a special episode. Because when every episode is a special episode, then none of them are special. So, yeah, whatever. Nothing, nothing really big to say other than that. So, Oh, yeah. Um, and for sure, like, you know, um, I think down the line, it definitely will be something that, you know, we still do, you know, just let us know, let, you know, y'all let us know if y'all want that, you know, and then we could definitely start reconsidering our, our plans. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all we got going for housekeeping. So, uh, like, I'm, I'm glad I didn't promise anything, but, you know, things are always going to be uh, worked on in the background, of course. So, anyways, Troy, it is the first episode of the month, and you know what that means. Yes, yes, it's that back time. All right, let's go back to the future. Marty! You've got to come back with me! Where? Back to the future! All right, so Back to the Future. This is the segment where we talk about all the milestone anniversaries for movies that released, and... uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, usually, when it comes to the five-year anniversary, we're always like, damn, that movie's turning five years old. This year's, uh, this month's uh, five-year anniversary, uh, straight up, I am super unimpressed with. As a matter of fact, the 10- and 15-year anniversaries are more impressive. So let's go ahead and run it down here. Five years ago, April 2016, we got the releases of God's Not Dead 2, Meet the Blacks, The Boss, Hardcore Henry, Demolition, the Jungle Book, Barbershop, The Next Cut, The Huntsman, Winter's War, Mother's Day, The Ratchet and Clank movie, and that Key and Peele movie, Keanu. Keanu. So, yeah, that doesn't... Other than The Jungle Book, really, the, movie, the these movies are kind of feeling a little lackluster. Now, to be fair, April is usually, like, the worst month of the year as far as box office. It's like it's like the calm before the storm because May usually has, like, the summer blockbusters and stuff like that. And April is usually, like, a dry spell. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of these, uh, this, this lot of movies? 
Yeah, uh, it's crazy because I didn't even know they had a Ratchet and Clank movie. I'm like, I'm such a fan of the the games. It's like, what the hell? How did I not know that? That's how you know it must have been trash or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then you got the Jungle Book. That blows my mind that that's been five years. Like, I, I was literally, like, confused because I'm like, Jungle Book? What? You know, when the Jungle Book come out five years ago? Because I'm thinking the Jungle Book just came out a couple years ago, like, in my head. So A John Favreau movie, the one with all the CGI, the most realistic CGI yeah, of Bill Murray was, that, was the bear. And, yeah, yeah, that that it, that just trips me out that that's five years old. Like, it, it's unbelievable. But, yeah, this is a, a weak, a very weak lineup right here. <laughs> yeah, meet meet the blacks. That stars Mike Epps. Uh, the boss is starring uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy, and let's see what else. Uh, Hardcore Henry. I remember that movie have because that movie is in completely in the first person. I remember when at the at the at the box office there was like a little plaque that gave a a, a disclaimer to like people with motion sickness, like. You know, not to you know, you know, if you have motion sickness, we we encourage you not to not to watch the movie kind of thing. Uh, the Huntsman, Winter's War. Now, let me ask you: Is what well, I I know the Huntsman was from like Snow White and the Huntsman. Now, is the Huntsman, Winter's War, like the only Huntsman movie, or was it was it the second movie in the Huntsman series? Like there was the Huntsman and the Huntsman's the Huntsman's Winter's War. I will say that say that five times. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, like I don't know, is yeah, that was that a thing? I'm not sure, you know, because I don't even remember this movie. Like I, I know what it, where it's from and stuff, but like I, I don't remember this movie coming out. Same way <laughs> like Ratchet and Clank, I don't, I don't remember like a Ratchet and Clank movie coming out. So I can't even tell you to be honest. Well, Chris Hemsworth, man, you just uh, he can't sell every movie he's in. Yeah. Um, but lastly, uh, the Barbershop, the next cut. What's- oh God. I didn't even know. Like, how many barbershop movies are there? Like, that's geez. the third one. That was that. It's only three. That was the third one, and it was it was pretty bad, man. It was it was real bad. I remember seeing that because I'm a fan. I'm actually a fan of the first two barbershops. You know, more of like guilty movie pleasure. But the third one, it's like one of those like cash grabs. They just wanted to make a a third one, hoping it'll be a hit, but. <laughs> it was terrible, man. Yeah, and also the Ratchet and Clank uh, movie that was like uh, basically sort of paired with the launch of a Ratchet and Clank game. So it was like the movie based on the game, based on you know that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it, it looked from a visual perspective, it looked good. So but, was it um, live action or was it? No, it was CGI. It was like an animated CGI movie. It had the exact same graphics as the PS4 game that came out around that same <laughs> time frame. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways. Next up, 10 years ago, April 2011. Now, this is where, like, okay, completely blows it out the water, okay? Hop, uh, which is, like, some, uh, you know, some bunny-ass Easter movie that came out. Um, Hop, we're going to be seeing that later on in charts. Uh, Source Code, Jake Gyllenhaal. Insidious, uh, which basically I feel like it put that... uh, Insidious put the, the, the studio on the map. What's the name of that production company, the one that... Ah, oh, damn! I can't remember their uh, name. But blooper. Uh, what is they, what is their name, man? It's some. I forgot. Um, the damn! I forgot the guy that does all those horror, those horror, those horror movies or whatever. Yeah, but anyways, it's like that, blooper or something like that. Blue, uh, Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Blumhouse. I feel like in, uh, Bl- uh, Insidious put Blumhouse on the map. Yeah. All right. The King's Speech, which I believe might have won the Oscar, um, for Best Picture, maybe. I don't know, but. People, I hear that people still talk about it as a good movie. Um, Arthur, which stars um, 
um, Russell, was it Russell Brand? I, I forgot. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on. Your Highness. Oh my God, how the hell did Natalie Portman get stuck in that shitty ass movie? I want to know. I want to know the story of how that happened. Oh, man. All right. Hannah uh, with Eric Bana, and uh, that became like an, anima- uh, an Amazon TV series. Uh, Soul Surfer about the girl that got bit by a shark. Her arm got sh- uh, chewed off. Uh, Rio. Uh, Scream 4, which was like the like the reboot sequel to the Scream franchise. Robert Pattinson's Water for, uh, Water for Elephants. Uh, back in the day, the Disney nature movies were always a big thing on Earth Day. And then this year's was African Cats. And then there was Medea's Big Happy Family. And then summertime came early because Fast Five opened in theaters in April of 2011. That's like the big highlight right there. Then there was Prom. And then there was Hoodwinked 2, Hood versus Evil. And then uh, Brandon Roth was having his career comeback with Dylan Dog, Dead of Night. So, what do you think of this uh, this uh, this lot of uh, movies that came out? Man, this is this a superstar list to be real. Like you think about, you know, Fast Five. I remember that Fast Five was like the Avengers of the, you know, that franchise. You know, it was like the first movie that had all of them coming back. I believe we might have seen those in theaters. Uh, Lewis, like, I, I I believe, I have a memory of, like, seeing those in theaters with, with y'all, but I don't know for sure, but I, I definitely um, enjoyed that movie. It was, it was like, you know, it was revolutionary in terms of, like, the type of action they had, and uh, it was great. So, yeah, that, Fast Five, Insidious, you know, I, I'm always been a big fan of that. That's a scary-ass movie, you know. Um, so, and I, you know, I it was great because horror movies wasn't good at the time. A lot of them, they're still not good. A lot of them are good, but that was one that was real good, and it was a hit. Uh, King's Speech was a masterpiece. You know, I think it did win the Oscar. It got Oscar love, for sure. I don't know exactly, but it got Oscar love. It was it was legit. So, yeah, you know, and a lot of these movies I, I you know, recognize, for sure. But, um but yeah, so the you know this was a good year or a good month for sure. All right, yeah, I remember I remember watching Scream Four in theaters with my friends and like the I remember the ending where it's like the the killer was trying to kill uh, Nev Campbell at the end of the movie and uh, and then Nev Campbell after she already knocked yeah, out the killer yeah. <laughs> she said to her, she said to her why she's passed out is like oh so and so you forgot the most you forgot the most ca- cardinal rule about remakes and that's don't fuck with the original yeah yeah <laughs> so that, I, like, that, nice. I remember saying that that had everybody in the um, theaters giggling yeah exactly so i i people i people i feel like people sleep on screen four because i think that movie was actually good um but yeah uh fast five man that movie that movie basically made the the fast and the furious franchise what it is today i feel like when the rock joined the franchise that's when it that's when everything that's when it became the fast and the furious franchise and stuff like that it became all about family and everything so (laughs) and uh, and actually you know if you think about it like rock that really helped his movie career too because it did both like it helped the franchise and it helped his movie career because like rock had been in movies before that but like when, he became like, a superstar. Yeah, like he became a superstar after he was in Fast Five, you know. So it, you know, him being in that movie helped the franchise out a lot, and it helped his career out. And it's been ten years of The Rock being in five movies a year. Damn. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. if you think like, about he, it, he's always in some shit, man. <laughs> he's, he's in every he's in every other movie. Yeah. Uh, all right, all right. Let's go ahead and move on to the fifteen year mark, April of two thousand and six. Um, 
we start we got start off with the bench warmers, which I believe was like Rob Schneider and uh, uh, what was his name, John Heater, like like from Napoleon Dynamite fame. Um, there was an Antonio Banderas movie called Take the Lead, and then there was a Josh Harnett movie called Lucky Number Slevin, and then there was a Monique movie called Fat Girls, and then there was the the terrible atrocious movie called Scary Movie Four, and then there was The Wild, and then there was Thank You for Smoking, and then there was a. Uh, uh, former, formerly known as uh, as Ellen Page, goes by Elliot Page now these days. Uh, Hard Candy came out in uh, in limited release, and then there was the Silent Hill, which was a, a a video game movie, but it was actually a pretty good movie. Then there was a Michael Douglas movie called The Sentinel, and then there was a Jennifer Aniston movie, which is one of her uh, her post Friends movies called Friends with Money. And then there was American Dreams. And then R.I.P. to Robin Williams. He had a movie come out called RV. And then there was Aquila and the Bee, which was starring Lawrence Fishburne and Kiki Palmer. And then there was a movie about gymnastics called Stick It. And then there was a 9-11 movie with some actual 9-11 survivors. Um, they weren't actors or anything like that, but they were reenacting their, their you know, heroics of that day called united 93 so yeah that's quite a quite a range of movies there troy so what do you think of this lot man i i really enjoyed united 93 directed by paul greengrass who's a fantastic filmmaker you know um it's just like the realism that was in that movie you really felt like you was watching like someone record shit that actually happened on that terrible day it was it's yeah a, it was a fantastic work of art and silent hill uh silent hill is a movie i remember seeing i don't even remember if i liked the movie or not to be real like i it's been so long but i just remember seeing that movie and i remember liking it especially one of the things about silent hill is it's known for its fog that makes you, you know scared and stuff and yeah, it's, yeah. That, the fog was definitely a lot going on yeah, yeah. um in that movie but yeah um uh, by the way, I think I said thank you for smoking last week in March. What happened was I think the reason why it's on both lists is because uh, thank you for smoking came out in limited release in March and it came out on wide release in April. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just I just got to say, I, scary movie four man they they just stopped it just stopped being about scary movies after <laughs> like I think with scary movie three like. The first 30 minutes of Scary Movie 3 was the last good scary movie. Yeah. And then after that, it was all downhill from there. Yeah, I um, And I think I do remember watching Take the Lead, by the way, because, you know, it was like he was teaching dance to, like, students or whatever. So, yeah, it was a lot going on. And, uh, yeah, RV, probably not a good movie, but, you know, it's it's still Robin Williams. Yeah, <laughs> so. for sure. Uh, and also, by the way, I, I did remember watching The Sentinel uh, with my parents in the dollar movie, you know, like later that summer, you know, because like the dollar movies usually get movies like just before they come out on DVD and home video. And so it's like the last chance to watch it on the big screen. All right. Okay. 20 years ago, this puts us back in April of 2001, which we got, we start off with Pokemon 3, the movie, Ooh, Spell of the Unknown. Man. Which is uh, the last Pokemon movie to be released in theaters, if you if you don't uh, count Detective Pikachu. Um, but as far as like the anime movies, yeah. then there was Along Came a Spider, and then the Johnny Depp movie and Penelope Cruz, Blow, Just Visiting, and then there was a David Spade movie called Joe Dirt, and there was Josie and the Pussycats, Kingdom Come, Brid Bridget Jones's Diary, back when Renee Zellweger was uh, was famous. Uh, then there was a terrible, terrible movie 
uh, called Freddy Got Fingered <laughs> with Tom Green. Uh, uh. Next up is Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. And then there's Driven and Town and Country. So those are the the twenty year old movies here that that are hit their anniversary and uh, yeah very uh, very again varied as far as like the uh, you know the scope of things uh, some some have been forgotten and some have been you know living in notoriety so what do you think of uh, what do you think of these movies what stands out to you man I I remember liking Pokemon three the movie um, man Entei and shit was in yeah there. <laughs> man that 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 movie was fire and I don't think it get enough credit too because I think it's not as good as like Pokemon two thousand or Pokemon the first movie you oh, know no Pokemon the first movie was the best one out yeah, of the three come yeah, on yeah yeah it is I I agree but I'm saying like because of it came after those two like fantastic movies. I I don't think nobody talk about this one enough, but I still think this one was was fantastic. You know, the thing about it is this was two thousand and one, yeah. and um, the, the 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 Pokemon craze as far as like kids growing out of it, kind of slow uh, slowly. Uh, started you know, going away. Yeah, yeah, it started it started aging out of it. You know, it's crazy how Pokemon came back though. Like we in twenty twenty one, and you still got people buying Pokemon cards, playing Pokemon games. And, you know, you got Pokemon movies that, you know, just came out, like Detective Pikachu, you know, that like that Pokemon app that everybody was on a few years back. Like, Pokemon actually made a comeback, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, I, I yeah, so I, I really, I, I fucked with Pokemon Heavy. Uh, Kingdom Come, you know, fantastic movie. I always liked Kingdom Come. Blow, uh, Blow wasn't really good, but I enjoyed it. It wasn't a good movie. You know, if you really watch Blow, Blow was not a good movie. But you enjoy the performances by Johnny Depp and all that stuff, and it was it was fun. You can have a lot of fun with it, you know. If you ask my friend Andy, he'll tell you it's a great movie, but it it's not. Uh, but yeah, you know, them are the ones that that come to my mind first off. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have too much to add to that, but I will say though, um, I, when when it, when it comes to Pokemon Three, you know, we started getting to that like little bell curve where it became it became uncool to like Pokemon because you started getting, like becoming older and yeah, like kids were getting yeah, older. Yeah. And so, and then it, we got to, and it, and like kind of rubber banded back and people were so like, Oh, it's cool. It's like a nostalgia and stuff. Yeah, like that, I mean, so. it's weird because I, I think what the difference was, was like, you look at something like Dragon Ball Z, that shit was like super rated R. So it gave you the feeling that it was for adults. But like, when you look at like Pokemon, it actually was like made for kids kind of. So like, as you got older, it did feel like, all right, bro, you're supposed to be growing out of this. You know what I mean? But like <laughs> yeah. you said, it, it turned back around. It kind of became like a nostalgia thing and, you know. Yeah, and as far as Along Came a Spider, like, uh, my mom was really big into Ashley Judd movies. She likes those, like, thriller movies and yeah. uh, uh, those Morgan Freeman. And, yeah, th- those are like, that was, like, Upper Alley and stuff like that. So I'm sure we might have probably watched it, like, on a blockbuster rental or on a VHS maybe probably. I don't know. Could have been DVD for if it was 2001. Um, all right, next up, 25 years. This puts us in April of 1996. Now, check this out. Two movies came out uh, within the same month uh, that have, like, similar titles. Primal Fear with uh, Richard Gere and Edward Norton. And then there was um, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. And then there was Faithful. And then Fargo, which is, I'm noting here, it's a wide release of Fargo. I talked about it again last month in March 2016. Fargo had its limited release in March of uh, 1996. Excuse me. I'm getting my, my years confused. All right, whatever. Anyways, next up, James and the Giant Peach. And then the Mark Wahlberg Reese Witherspoon movie, Fear. 
So Primal Fear and Fear came out in the same month. Next up is Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy. And then there's Flirting with Disaster, Celtic Pride. And then I remember this movie, The Substitute, uh, which is kind of like in that Dangerous Minds kind of like, yeah, movies and stuff like that they kind of when movies come out around the same time with a lot of similar subjects and then there was uh mrs winterborn and then the quest and mulholland falls and the truth about cats and dogs and sunset park and i think i think i've heard of the title about the the truth about cats and dogs like i heard the title before but most of these movies i've never heard of or you know know anything about but uh what about you troy how 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 are how are you when it comes to the familiar familiar uh the familiarity of these movies. Yeah, well, you know, Primal Fear, that was an incredible movie. Like, you know, Edward Norton was so good in that movie, man. Like, he'll make you believe him through the entire film. And then you realize, bam, you know, the twist come. You know, I ain't going to reveal the twist, but it's like only a great actor can pull it off. And I'm sure that's what put him kind of on the map, you know, like as a as a great actor. So Edward Norton did his thing in that one. A Thin Line Between Love and Hate was like my mom's favorite movie. So I always, that movie was always on or whatever. That was peak, peak Martin Lawrence, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. And it, it was actually, it's funny because when you watch A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, it's actually a solid movie. Like it's funny, but it's some, you know, it's some real themes. You know, there's some real serious themes in it, and uh, it does get a little dark, but it's actually very uh, interesting to watch. So, I always loved it, and that's when Martin, like you said, Martin Lawrence was in his prime then, so he was funny as hell. You know, no no question there. And, uh, yeah, so I think those were the ones that stood out for me. I don't know if I've seen any of the other ones. Wow. I've seen a lot of these movies. Uh, I've seen Primal Fear. Oh, um, fear! Um, fear with Mark Wahlberg. I did yeah. see that one. Now, that is funny because fear, like Mark Wahlberg, is, I guess he wasn't a good actor then. Because when I when like he his performance was not good in that movie. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember actually laughing. Like me and my sister, I remember us laughing. It's a scene where Mark Wahlberg goes. Uh, he's like, "You filthy whore! You filthy whore!" And like he was saying it like with his like <laughs> accent. And it was just the worst deliver line delivery ever. You know, it was like, what the hell? But it was actually, you know, it, it wasn't a bad movie, though, from what I can remember. I haven't seen it in years, but it, from what I remember, it wasn't a bad movie. It was one of those, like, oh, shit, you done took it too far kind of movies. But it was it was solid. But I just remember Mark Wahlberg, like, he came a long way as an actor to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I will say this. Uh I've, I'm pretty sure I, rem- I vaguely remember watching it in theaters, but we also own that on VHS. And the one scene that I remember the most about the movie was when, like, Mark Wahlberg was punching himself in the chest, you know, <laughs> yeah, in, when he's yeah. trying to, like, make it look like his, his, her, um, her dad attacked him or something like that or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he brought, he definitely had an I, – I remember him having an intensity to him, but – uh, in 1996, I would have been like eight years old. So, you know, what, what do I know? Uh, I haven't seen it since, obviously. Um, I also want to say about regarding James and the Giant Peach is like in like, uh, I, I think it went like 98. I was in elementary school. I might have been like in the fourth grade. And we had to read James and the Giant Peach, like the book. And uh, I remember like after finishing uh, reading the book, I, I, I rented uh, the movie from like my local library and stuff. And uh yeah, I remember thinking to myself, oh, there's a lot of differences and stuff like that. But I remember being, it was, I remember it being pretty cool. So, yeah. um, and lastly, I just don't know. Like, I, 
I remember watching kids in the hall brain candy, but it was also during the time when I would watch a movie and not, you know, not can tell you nothing about what it's about or anything like that. So I just know that I did watch it. So, um, yeah. Anyways. And also just again, one more, one more time, shout out to the substitute. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I know. I, I feel like I can literally put like uh, "Gangsters Paradise" by Coolio as like the the soundtrack for that movie, but it's also but it's actually the soundtrack for uh, for Dangerous Minds. So uh, basically, it, it's interchangeable. <laughs> I forgot all about Coolio. That's funny as hell. <laughs> all right, thirty years ago, uh, ni- April nineteen ninety one. So not gonna lie, I only have heard of uh, one of these movies, and let's see if you can figure it out. We got The Marrying Man, Defending Your Life, Out for Justice, Mortal Thoughts, A Kiss Before Dying, Oscar, and Toy Soldiers. I'm sure you probably seen Toy Soldiers, right? Dang, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Toy Soldiers was uh, starring uh, Sean Astin and stuff like that. That was a very intense movie. Like, these terrorists come and, like, you know, uh, break into a school, and it's up to, like, these teenagers to fight them off and stuff like that. So... Yeah, it's uh, yeah. You, have you seen Toy Soldiers? Yeah, Toy Soldiers is the only movie I've seen on this list, actually. <laughs> so I'm the same as you. Uh, Oscar starring Sylvester Stallone. Let's see what else here. I mean, let me go back and say, "A Kiss Before Dying," starring Matt Dillon. Okay, uh, some the, like name actors and stuff like that. So let me see what else we got. Um, let's see here, some Mortal Thoughts. Okay, Out for Justice. Out for Justice is starring Steven Seagal. Okay, so it must have been one of those Steven Seagal action movies. And Defending Your Life, starring Al Brooks and Meryl Streep and Rip Torn. Okay. And uh, The Marrying Man was starring Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin and Elizabeth Shue. So there you go. That's so like we never we never we never heard of these titles, but, you know, all the actors that are in the lead roles, we know who they are. So, Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up. 35 years, this puts us uh, before I was even born in April of 1986, uh, POW, The Escape, Offbeat, Band of the Hand, The Toxic Avenger, Murphy's Law, Legend, Eight Million Ways to Die, and Violets Are Blue. Now, I'm not going to lie, I've actually uh, have seen one of these movies. Which one have I seen? Violets Are Blue? No. (laughs) So, I actually, uh, I actually decided, like... I forgot what it was. I was like at a, I was at a friend's house and we were, we, we were having like one of those movie nights and like they, uh, they wanted, uh, they wanted me to like, they wanted to put on some old ass, like terrible, bad movie and just kind of like laugh at it. Like ironically. And that movie was called the toxic Avenger. And I, I remember us having such a good time. We were laughing out loud cause it was just so bad, but it was so bad. It was good, you yeah. know? And and uh, I tried making a movie night out of it with my other group of friends, like a completely different group. And I was trying to, like, do the same thing, but with another younger set of friends. Like, um, and they weren't having it. They weren't enjoying it. And so it, that movie kind of, like, fell flat. And I was like, that just sucks. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you might have been at that, at that uh, get-together. But yeah. I don't remember you being there, though. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Anyways, so, yeah, just check out The Toxic Avenger. I'm pretty sure it's easily... Um, it's easy, easily find like you can find it pretty easily because I remember like watching it like on a streaming service. It was just completely no cost to me. So, yeah. 
Um, as far as the other movies, I'll just say I want to go ahead and give it up, uh, give up the, the little shout outs. POW The Escape was starring uh, David Carradine. Uh, band, uh, Offbeat, let me see here. Offbeat was star- starring Judge Reinhold. Uh, so I know who he is. Uh, let's see. Murphy's Law, Charles Bronson. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, Legend starring Tom Cruise. Wow. Okay. There you go. So next up, 40 years. I've put this in ni- April of 1981, and we got Atlantic City, Excalibur, Nighthawks, Going Ape, Caveman, and the only good movie that, or not even good, actually, the only recognizable movie on this list, Friday the 13th Part 2. Mm. I've actually seen it. Yeah. That's the only uh, one I've seen in the, out of this whole list. Like <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th Part 2, that's when Jason becomes the villain because people don't know this. It's a, not a commonly well-known fact, but uh, in the first Friday the 13th movie, it was actually uh, Mrs. Voorhees, Jason's mom, was the killer. So there you go. That's when things started getting supernatural. Um Next up, and this is uh, puts us in April of 1976. This is 45 years ago. We got Lipstick, All the President's Men, The Bad News Bears, Family Plot, Stay Hungry. Now, I just want to give a shout out to Stay Hungry because I never heard of this movie, but it's starring Jeff Bridges, Sally Field, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, what? God damn. What the <laughs> That's hell? not even making any This cast makes no sense at all. That's crazy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, as far as like my like, I, uh, I've not seen any of these movies. I only know what the Bad News Bears is because there was a a Billy Bob Thornton remake of that movie, yeah. which I think uh, for a while there, around the time when the remake happened, like HBO had the rights to like the original movie, so they actually aired it on TV on HBO. Uh, so I remember like you know flipping through channels and seeing it. So or at least like a like a a scene of it. But yeah, nothing, nothing too major to to talk about for these uh, for these movies. But uh, do you have anything to say about the about these forty five year old movies? No, I haven't. I haven't seen any of them like you. Uh, like like you, I heard of Bad News Bears, but I never even seen that one. <laughs> All right. Well, that that about uh, wraps it up for Back to the Future here. So uh, definitely interesting that you know you picking like doing this once a month and stuff like that and there's like these ebbs and flows of like all right we got some good movies coming out and then now we're in the dead zone of april so i'm pretty sure when like september comes around we're going to be seeing some pretty sus movies as well but overall like um as a general rule they tend to be sus but there have been some good ones in there like you know uh, shout out to the pokemon movie shout out to fast five and shout out to keanu you know yeah just some there's some shout outs in there yep all right Let's go ahead and move on to impressions, and we got two things to talk about. So let's go ahead and talk about the, I guess, we'll go ahead and bury the lead here, and we'll just start off with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is kind of crazy because, like, Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of had it, like, rough for two weeks, where it's like uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is is competing with, like, uh, you know, conversation talk for Justice League Snyder Cut, and now it's uh, competing for for time because of Godzilla versus Kong. So it really can't catch a break. Yeah. But... Anyways, what you got for me? Have you caught up? No, I haven't caught up, uh, but I seen episode one and two. I haven't seen three yet. Uh, As soon as I seen two, I realized three was out. I thought I was caught up. I'm like, God damn it. But uh, (laughs) with two, I will say that episode two is significantly better to me than episode one. Yep. Um, You know, it it feels like it's more of a story. You know, we finally get to see Bucky and and, um, and, uh, Sam. Sam. Yeah, meet. 
you know what I mean? And uh, and uh, we get to see some of their back and forth banter, you know, like it's action in this, but the action kind of feels like it's a part of the story. It wasn't just like thrown in there because of like, oh, we need an action scene, you know? And, uh, yeah, you know, they, they mixed in, they brought in like, a, you know, I, I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, it's uh, the part that I didn't like is the whole, you know, new Captain America thing. I, I ain't going to say I didn't like it, but I just felt like it's like, oh, of course they will do something like that. But, you know, again, I haven't seen episode three yet, so I don't really know where they're taking that and where they're going with that. But, uh, yeah, this episode uh, was episode two was better and i mean if they continue as long as this show continues to get better with each episode you know it, this series will be fine you know um it's only if the see if the season you know stays stagnant and it's only like okay throughout the whole series then i'm like okay i you know i didn't really mess with it so yeah i, I didn't like love episode two now like oh my god it's it, they finally got it together no but it's way better than the first one so and that means they're on the on the right track and uh once i see episode three then i could probably get better you know uh views on how i feel about the series as a whole and i can tell you right now episode three it did get better Okay, uh, okay, okay. They have been getting better, and I can I saw the trajectory with episode two and what they were setting up. I actually uh, didn't really um, mind. I actually thought that what they did with the Captain America and the mantle actually worked for me. Um, I like, of course, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give anything away, but you know, there are things I didn't like, but that's also that's kind of like the point, you know. Right, right. I'll say that. Um, you know, they, things were done because it's on purpose, not because it's an accident kind of thing, uh, without trying to spoil anything. Um, that being said, what they did with episode three, I feel like after having watched episode three, to me, with all of these returning characters that came up and showed up in episode three that you know weren't in episode one and two, to me, that's when this show solidified that this is basically Captain America 4 for me. Um, like in the sense that a lot of Captain America's like supporting cast from uh, the Winter Soldier and Captain America the Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War, like a bunch of characters were like showed up, and it basically feels like a true sequel to Captain America Civil War because there was a lot of like loose threads and a lot of like plot lines and characters that were in limbo that they're basically um, you know addressing. And, uh, and it makes sense, you know, for the world and what's going on and there's some intrigue going on and it feels like a Captain America movie of like espionage and like, and secrets and, you know, things like that. And it feels like, you know, even though the world is living, you know, trying to go and, and, uh, move on from Steve Rogers, you know, it's still a Captain, uh, it's still a Captain America show in the, in the heart, you know, from the, in the soul. So I feel like this is definitely what I wanted. It's, it's this show has pretty much solidified why why I why I was so hyped for the movie to be, or for the show to begin with. So as long as they they continue to to get better and they've set things up, by, they they set up something for episode four, by the way, and it's like oh my god, I'm 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 hooked. Um, so as long as things are paying off really well and these uh, these creative decisions are going to be paying uh, dividends for the rest of the for the rest of the series, as far as I'm concerned, so. Uh, yeah, that's again. That's are my non-spoiler thoughts. It's a good show. It's getting better. And uh, yeah, Captain America four all the way. Okay, that's what's up. Okay, all right. So now that we uh, are going on to the, like the bigger thing here, now this is where uh, 
this is like the big thing, the big talk of the, uh, you know, the big water cooler moment here. We're going to be talking about Godzilla versus Kong. Now, it is in theaters. You can watch it in theaters, and if you have no local theater uh, near you or you don't feel safe going to a movie theater, you can watch it at home on HBO Max. Um, so, Troy, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Do you want to talk about it in non-spoilers, or do you want us to give a spoiler warning now and just go go in on it? Um, I say we should. I should. We should get a little spoiler warning, you know, and uh, because there's certain things that I think. I don't know if I can get my point across without, you know what I'm saying, giving it away. Unless you right. unless you don't want to, you know, go in spoilers. No, 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 that's fine. I, I just want to make sure that it's fair game. So, listeners, if you have not seen Godzilla vs. Kong, check the show notes to the next segment when we start when we talk when we start talking about the news, where we will um, then be, you know, going away from the spoiler discussion. But we're gonna go ahead and talk about Godzilla vs. Kong, and we're gonna assume that anyone listening to the show has already seen it. So, with that out of the way. Let's go ahead and talk about Godzilla versus Kong. And I gotta say, I'm just my opening statement is, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I loved it. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, I, I really wanted to watch this movie in theaters, and I had um, you know I made it, I had initially made plans to go watch it in theaters, like with certain with certain friends. Like I was even talking to you about it. Um, but what ended up happening for me is I ended up being really really busy. And I only had like a certain time slot to watch it, and it didn't work out for for like a, for like my friends. So what ended up happening was I just made a movie night with my family, and so I'm kind of sort of glad I did, but also kind of glad I. I mean, it was a really good movie night. No, don't get me wrong. And I was also able to like test drive my new my new TV that I bought for the living room. So I bought a new 4K TV. I was able to watch the movie in 4K and HDR and like awesome color accuracy and stuff like that you know Damn. i could see like the individual blades of grass and stuff on skull island Shit, i might need to come over there and rewatch it man <laughs> you know i had the sound bar on and there's like this tv has cool like uh like fake 3d sound like you can it can it can throw the sound to make it bounce off the walls to make it like you know 3d and stuff like a 3d effect or you know surround sound effect excuse me so i'm not gonna lie from a from a you know from an at-home theater experience i was a top of the, i was top shelf right like i was you know bleeding edge as far as hdr dolby vision and sound you know surround sound i was i was there right yeah but it wasn't enough for me like <laughs> i really wish i wanted to see the movie in, in theaters and i may even watch it in imax or whatever you know like i might just you know next week or whatever just go watch it by myself um in theaters so i'm glad i had a good premium experience watching it at home but damn, like it feels like it needs the the giant kaiju's. It needs it needs that big screen. So you, I'm assuming you watch it in theaters, like you said. You had your tickets. So what did you think of watching the movie? Oh yeah, you know I had to see something like this in theaters. You know it was a spectacle. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I definitely seen it in theaters, and it was so it was just it was just fun, man. <laughs> like like the I think you know what I think. I What's think up? I think the the director that directed that movie he really is like to me he's like a superstar in terms of a director just because and I'm not saying like he's a like you know a Christopher Nolan or like a Martin Scorsese in terms of just his like skills but I'm just saying he knows how to make things feel like a spectacle like it made you like glad like when I was in the in the theater I went to people at the end was cheering and you know, you have people jumping up and all kind of shit like that. Like, he knows how to do that 
why whereas some of the other directors that did some of the other movies they they didn't know how to like make it that spectacle you know and uh it was just his his talent in filmmaking that made it you know so good but yeah it was it was fun as hell man i just had such a good time with that movie yeah yeah so um not gonna lie there was uh you know the movie definitely was, uh, you know, good advertisement as far as like it was accurate. You know, we got we got the the good action that we wanted, but oh, man, like one thing these movies are not good at is writing compelling human characters and stuff like that. And uh, they all kind of like suffered from like just I don't know bad logic, bad pl- some plot holes, and just sort of like you know, rushing to get things done or whatever to be as efficient as possible. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like uh, this movie is really trying to be that anyways. So it's like, who cares? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I, I, I was definitely satisfied. I'll say that. I was, the, the little girl, the little deaf girl was also, was pretty much like the best character as far as the humans go. Um, and yeah, I just, um I just think that there was so many moments and stuff where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, you know, and watching it at home with the family and everyone, you know, because it's not a theater, we didn't, we weren't like limited to like, you know, shutting the hell up. We were able to like, you know, audibly like gasp and like, oh, you know, like (laughs) like like it's like a boxing match and stuff like that. And, you know, so there there was definitely some of that cool moments and stuff like that. And, uh. Yeah. Well, you know, with the character thing, like with this movie, I I slightly disagree. You know, I I agree with the, you know, the previous movies, all of them in terms of the impelling characters, you know, they they do a terrible job, all of them. But (laughs) this movie, I felt like was 50-50. I felt like Godzilla's, Team Godzilla, if you will, they were the characters that was not good character. They were the characters to me that was like, I the Millie like Bobby were, Brown team was terrible. That yeah, plot, they, that's whole, was, that whole plot sucked. Right. They they was I felt like they they squad was kind of holding the movie back. Now, don't get me wrong, I do feel like they had a reason for being there cuz I think they the whole purpose for those characters is to set up Mega Godzilla. Like the yeah. whole point is like let me let's you know have a cuz you can't just have Mega Godzilla just show up out of nowhere, you know what I'm saying and pull like a doomsday situation, you know. So you <laughs> you got to set up you know, the villain monster in this movie. So I I understand their purpose of being there, but they characters just didn't work as being interesting characters or their little little plot, you know, that they were going through wasn't that interesting. But the Kong, the Kong team, I thought was really good characters. You know, I think it's such a cliche thing to say that all the characters suck, but like the little girl was fantastic, you know, and she actually made you feel for Kong. Like, and, and, uh, like by the time like Kong is fighting Godzilla, like you almost rooting for Kong not to lose just because it's almost set up like his movie. Like it's, you know, she helped set Kong's character up to where you you actually care for Kong. Like me, I'm team Godzilla. I've been, been telling people I'm rooting for Godzilla, all that. But by the time it was time for them to fight, I was like, Oh Kong, you know, get away. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh shit. Don't let it fire hit you. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm rooting for Kong because of that little girl. And then, you know, um, the woman that, you know, the woman that was in the movie, uh, you know, I care, you know, she was a good character because she cares for the little girl and Kong, you know what I'm saying? And she, she felt genuine and she felt like she, she really cared for, you know, it, 
Kong and the girl. It wasn't no situation where she was just there to be cliche and all of this stuff. Like she always thought about Kong and what's good for Kong and what, you know, he should and shouldn't do. And him and the girl, like, I mean, her and the girl having the, her and the little girl having like her, their back and forth in sign language. It was just touching to me, you know, and even the, even the, the guy, the guy that was with them again, I can't, I don't know none of the characters' names. I, I know, right? That's kind of like a, yeah, it's almost I, kind of I, like a, a like a symptom of the of the situation. But go yeah, on. Yeah, but uh, you know, but even the guy, like I somewhat, you know, like because I didn't feel like he was anything cliche. He wasn't like a cliche snake that ends up becoming a bad guy, or he wasn't the asshole guy that's telling everybody what to do, or he wasn't the overly. He was just a dude trying to do what he does. You know what I mean? And. I just don't, I don't, you know, I don't think he was no great character by any means. I'm not saying like, oh man, he should go win an Oscar, but I just felt like, you know, he was an all right character. So that's three characters to me that I really liked. And one of the things I think they did in the movie that was so smart was they really, if you really think about it, one of the things that was so smart is they made Kong really the main character in the movie like yeah i was gonna say that next he it definitely felt like he had more screen time than godzilla like he was the lead yeah like he was the he was the main character in the movie and the little girl the older lady and the guy they acted as supported characters you know they acted as supporting characters to kong instead of the other way around a lot of times in these movies the monsters are there just for entertainment so we got to deal with a born ass human story until we get to see the monsters show up for our entertainment well while in this movie kong was in the movie most of the time like you know and everything that was going on was surrounding kong so we was always he he had a direct uh plot to the story he had a direct purpose to the story so he was always there and godzilla he just kind of showed up as the villain which i'm cool with because godzilla had two standalone movies kong only had one so i'm all right with that and it was just it was smart you know so yeah, the action is what we're all there for, and that's what blew me away, and that was so good. But it's been a lot of movies that have good action, but the movies suck. You know what I mean? So we, you know, like for someone to be like, "Oh, all the action is good," and that's the only thing that was good about the movie. That can't be true, or this movie would be bad. You know, actually, you know, uh, the last Godzilla movie that came out, Godzilla King of the Monsters. I was only thing it was good for was action. Yeah. Only thing it was good for was action, and I actually think that movie it was not good, you know, because of it, you know, because they only had like the cool monsters, but everything else in the movie was terrible from the plot, from the characters, from the store. Everything was just bad to me, except seeing the badass monsters appear and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, I do think this movie was, was actually a solid film as well. Like, even though I'm not saying again, I'm not saying this movie is like, uh, all-time great film no but i'm just saying like i think it worked better as a movie and then the the action was almost like the icing on the cake to make it a, a fantastic little blockbuster yeah uh most uh, most definitely and uh i definitely agree with you like i said i even sort of alluded to when i was talking about like the girl being like the breakout or whatever um uh, yeah you know i don't really have too much to add to that you know the what's to say is you know there's nothing more to say other than like you know the, the 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 badass fights and stuff like that they were not holding back and uh it was so 
interestingly and uniquely choreographed where the the yeah. monsters like the Godzilla and Kong were fighting to their strengths. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were both u- using tactics, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh shit, we're we're in the water. I'm gonna drown you, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like or like uh Kong is using his agility and ducking and weaving through buildings and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Or he's throwing a crane to like make a sound so Godzilla turns them. around, yeah. distracting. Like there are some that's that's that shit you know, was that's some next level ish right there. I would just say that. And then like one of the things I, I love that they did because one of the things I was gonna be annoyed with is because you know how Godzilla has his fire breath and I was gonna be so annoyed if they like you know just chose for Godzilla not to use it and that's the only reason he's not burning Kong ass up you know what I'm saying like he just not using it just cause I would have been like oh well you know I understand why it's just cause they didn't want Kong I mean to lose too easy so but I like how they actually Godzilla was trying to burn his ass through the whole fight he just couldn't get him you know I love the idea of like Godzilla trying to use his atomic breath and like Kong having to outsmart him or you know get away from it like that was one of the smartest things in the movie to me or uh, uh, with the fighting I, I think you know yeah and he had and he had a stormbreaker you know just yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he went for the head like that. He actually <laughs> he went for the head. He actually did. <laughs> yeah, so it was a good movie, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that, that there goes our thoughts on on Godzilla versus Kong. I don't. This is an impression segment. We don't do reviews on this. On this, so I'm not gonna give a score, and I don't really care to. Anyways, I don't feel. I feel like this movie is a score is besides the point at this point, as for as far as I'm concerned. So, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and move on to the news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. So speaking of Godzilla vs. Kong, the first news story of the day is actually regarding Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, We're going to be talking about the box office, which is pretty shocking because we rarely talk about the box office on the show, which is crazy because it's a movie podcast. But, um, you know, I'm pretty sure in a a non-pandemic world, we would have been having a whole segment dedicated to the box office. But that being said... Let's go ahead and read the story. This comes from boxofficepro.com. It's called, uh, the story's, uh, the title is Weekend Box Office, Godzilla vs. Kong Shatters Pandemic Era Opening Weekend, uh, uh, Weekend Record with Gargantuan $32.2 million three-day and $48.5 million five-day debut. And the story reads, the North American box office is roaring again. Warner Brothers Godzilla vs. Kong more than lived up to its colossal title characters on its opening weekend, surging past expectations with an estimated $32.2 million uh, for the three-day weekend and a pandemic record record 3,064 theaters and $48.5 million since opening on Wednesday in 2,409 theaters, uh, accounting for roughly 92% of the domestic box office. Wow. One movie having accounting for over 90% of the entire North American box office. Uh, the film's performance not only counts as the highest opening weekend of any film during the pandemic to date, but it also puts it in the ball- ballpark of a pre-COVID-19 release, suggesting a pent-up appetite for theatrical fare after more than a year of painful lockdowns. Direct comparisons to its franchise predator, uh, predecessors simply don't hold water given the curtailed theatrical landscape. But Godzilla vs. Kong three-day performance nonetheless just came in just 33% behind Godzilla King of the Monsters, which bowed at $47.78 million in its opening frame in May of 2019. 
uh, despite playing on over 1,000 more screens and without pandemic era restrictions on attendance. Five-day comparisons, uh, which while also far from apples to apples, correlation uh, given the film's uh, differing releasing patterns are more favorable, favorable to Godzilla vs. Kong which is running a, a mere 15% behind Godzilla, King of the Monsters, 57.16 million five-day total. So um, also, I just wanted to go ahead and add to this that um, another thing is that Godzilla, King of the Monsters was not on HBO Max, you know, day and date. So basically, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is really like pretty much, you know, punching above its weight class as far as the release and, and, and money is concerned. Uh, so hearing these numbers, hearing the, the opening weekend of, um, how do you feel about that? I mean, it's great. Like I've been, I've been realized that this movie was a hit when, you know, you look at the, the trailer views, you know, the views that the trailer had was like one of the Marvel movies or some shit. Like, you know, you could tell a lot of people and a lot of people get, this is a crossover. A lot of people love crossovers and that's going to bring people to the box office. So, you know, it, it, I think it's doing what they wanted it to do. And it also shows that, you know, that people are thirsty for the theaters again. You know, I've been saying even through the pandemic, you can get on my YouTube channel and watch several videos like during the pandemic where I was saying movie theaters aren't going anywhere because it's too much money still involved in the theaters. There's a lot of people that for certain movies, they want to go see the movies in theater. You know what I'm saying? And when you have the a movie like this able to play on HBO Max in your home and you could just watch it at home easy as hell, but people still go out to the theaters and it gets those kind of box office numbers, that goes to show that people love the theaters and, you know, prefer to see certain movies in theaters. So overall, it's just good news. I mean, I know the theater that I went in was packed. Like, it was packed. And I was like, wow, are they even doing the restrictions? The, the, <laughs> the fucking, you know, COVID restrictions? Because it was packed. And uh, so, yeah, man, I, this, this is good news for me. i always been a Godzilla and Kong fan, so I'm happy that it actually getting some good love, you know. Yeah, and also this this article goes on to say, uh, one of the things I noticed when I was reading the article and when I was saying is that uh, the Wednesday and Thursday, you know, it had 2,409 theaters and then then in uh, the weekend at 3,064 theaters, the article goes on to say that the reopening of Los Angeles era, area theaters also helped. Um, also, there was uh, the New York reopened recently, and then also we talked about Regal Cinemas. They also reopened as well for that weekend. So basically more screens helped, uh, you know, with the, with the opening weekend as well. And also because I'm sure that it was 90% of the box office, I'm pretty sure it was playing, like I'm pretty sure one theater had it on five screens or whatever, or all their screens perhaps. So uh, you were able to like kind of spread it out so that there's like, you know, each theater doesn't have to be 100% packed. It can be sold out, but it's not like fully packed. Uh, so my next question to you, Troy, regarding this is now that we've seen like um, essentially a close to a $50, a $50 million debut for a movie in the post-COVID world, do you see, um, you know, the box office going back to business as usual? Like we're going to be seeing like $100 million opening weekends and stuff like that here in the horizon. Yeah, I actually do. I, you know, I think it'll be like more towards next year. I think this year, this whole year is going to be like a warm up for next year, which is going to be, I think people are going to like, even, you know, a lot of the trailers that I seen when I went to go see Godzilla vs. Kong, a lot of the trailers that I seen before the movie started, a lot of them said, 
only in theaters, only in theaters, only in theaters. So it's a lot of studios are preparing to get their films back in theaters. So and with the amount of people that came out to see Godzilla, a lot of people are starting to feel comfortable now. The vaccine is out. So I think, you know, this year will be a kind of a rebuild kind of year, you know, the rest of this year, you know what I mean? And then I think next year is when you start seeing people full fledged coming back and everything is back to normal. And do you think uh, do you think Disney is regretting announcing Black Widow to be a Disney premiere access thing? Well, because uh, was Black Widow that was only exclusively on uh, on Disney Plus, right? So Black Widow is going to be coming out in theaters in July, and it's also going to be like kind of like Raya and the Last Dragon, where it's both in theaters and also a premiere video on demand, where you have to pay thirty dollars at home to watch yeah. it. Well, I mean, actually, oh yeah, like I mean, I don't think they regret it because you know that movie has been pushed back so much, and then on top of that, it's still they still want it to come out this year, so you don't want to push it back anymore. But I don't think. You know, while I think box offices are coming back, I don't think they're fully back yet. You know, so you might as well try to make money off, you know, your streaming service, charging people $30. You know, if you could get a million people to pay $30, then that's, you know, that's good money and whatever you get in the box office as well. So, I mean, it's a it's a good idea for right now. Again, I don't like the idea. Like, I think it's messed up what they're doing, but... As far as like a business plan, I understand it for right now. Now, if you're talking about something that's coming out next year, like Doctor Strange, I think the Doctor Strange movie coming out next year. If they if they announce that to do to come to you know Disney Plus and stuff, I think they'll change that you know because I think by next year they'll be like, all right, look, everybody's gonna be back and ready. Especially seeing what Kong did, Godzilla vs Kong, they're gonna be like, oh yeah, yeah, we're we're about ready. All right. Yeah. I was just thinking like as far as like my my take on it is like I like I was thinking to myself like damn like if you know if we're we're in we're basically on in April now and like Black Widows in July and things are going to you know people, more people are going to be vaccinated. I was thinking to myself was like damn they could have just you know delayed Black Widow to July and didn't didn't have to do the Disney premiere access, make it exclusive to theaters and make more money in the box office that way. But, you know, yeah, yeah you're right. It could be it could be premature as far as like, you know, uh, having our movies come out exclusively in theaters, you know. Yeah. I mean, and you can't like, you know, like you can't let uh, Kong vs. Godzilla be the, you know, because look, that's this was a spectacle movie, but it could probably be much more movies that come out after that and bomb. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> like, yeah, this movie was successful, but that doesn't mean any blockbuster that come out is going to start being successful now, you know? Yeah, true. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next uh, the next story here. And this is a, the SAG Awards uh, recap. Um, this comes from Variety, and it reads, The SAG Awards, Netflix wins big during pandemic year with The Crown, Chicago 7, and Ma Rainey. So, so side note, um, I didn't even know the SAG Awards happened this weekend, but apparently they did. So the SAG Awards is the Screen Actors Guild, and they are voted by the actual actors, like people who are actually in the actually in the guild so these are actors um you know awarding actors and stuff like that so uh it's also another good uh you know another stop in the awards um you know the awards uh, ceremonies uh you know publicity blitz so in a pandemic in a pandemic year where most viewers consume movies and tv shows from their couches netflix had a big night uh screen actor uh 
Screen Actors Guild Awards on Sunday with The Trials of the Chicago 7, winning Best Motion Picture, Picture, and The Crown being named as Best TV Drama. Pop TV's Shit's Creek continued to its hot streak in its farewell tour, winning uh, Best TV Comedy. It proved to be a history-making night for the first time in the telecast 27 years. All four movie acting awards went to actors of color. Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman for lead actors for Ma Rainey's Bottom. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya for Best Supporting Actor. Best Supporting Actor. God. Uh, Judas, Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> and Ye and Jung Yeun uh, for Supporting Female Actor uh, Minari. Uh, Netflix's drama Chicago, The Trials of the Chicago 7 won top prize film, capping off a big night for the streaming giant. Frank Langella uh, accepted the award, delivering a quote by Martin Luther King Jr., who was killed on the same date on Sunday's SAG Awards on April 4, 1968. The Trials of the Chicago 7 began 18 months later, ruled by corrupt judge. <laughs> Me, uh, L- uh, Langella said as a nod to his on-screen character, giving a nod of gratitude to director Aaron Sorkin. The actor thanked him for his leadership, saying he was determined to tell the story, and his loving and respectful direction transformed a group of disparate actors into an ensemble. <clears throat> so, yeah, um, uh, before we, uh, I, before I throw it to you, Troy, I just wanted to say that uh, whenever I hear this, the Screen Actors Guild, I can I cannot help but think about like uh, the creators of South Park, and yeah. they created they made a movie called uh, Team America World Police, yeah. and they had the Screen Actors Guild, but they were actually named the Film Actors Guild. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I'm not gonna say anything beyond that, but that's just hilarious. Uh, so yeah, um, go ahead. I'm gonna just go ahead and throw it to you, uh, Troy. What do you think of the of this uh, of these awards? I mean, I I never been a big SAG Awards guy, so I I didn't even know it was it was on this weekend. But I will say it's dope. I think it's real dope that a lot of uh, the black you know the black actors and actresses won uh, for that. You know, you don't usually see you don't usually see that you know where like the lineup of black people winning. You know what I mean? So that was really cool. I definitely feel like Viola Davis probably deserved it because she's special. Um, Chadwick Boseman, R.I.P. to him. You know, I, I honestly feel like he's going to be winning all the awards, you know, uh, partially because he passed away. He's a great actor. He did a great job. But I think that's the main reason why he won and is going to continue to win. But uh, regardless, man, uh, it's good. This was good to see in that situation. But other than that, I, I really not really big on all of the other stuff that won, you know. So, the, yeah, but that's my just quick thoughts on it. Yeah, so um, as far as the uh, my, my thoughts on the on the SAG Awards, like having like reviewed this article and looking over like the wins, um, it definitely feels like uh, this is one of those situations where like I almost kind of believe them. Like as far as when it comes to the Oscars, anyways, like you know, like what what's who's in the lead? Like where, where is this horse race happening? You know, it definitely does feel like Daniel Kaluuya is going to win for Best Supporting Actor, which I want to say That's I bullshit. predicted him. What's up? No, go ahead. I don't know. I was to say I feel like I definitely feel like I I think I don't remember what I what I predicted, but I think I predicted him for winning Best Supporting Actor, despite the fact that he's a lead actor. So, um, but yeah, like it just you know with Chadwick Boseman winning, it's like we're pretty much cementing you know who's uh, who's the contenders, and you know, um, and the fact that the the trials of the, the trials of the Chicago Seven, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that it was a Netflix joint, to tell you the truth. I didn't know it was a Netflix original. But if it is, like, kind of like, you know, The Irishman was, then obviously I can just easily watch it any time I want. So I definitely should check it out and just, you know, talk about it on an episode and with, with impressions about it. So, yeah, um, I'm happy with this. Uh, 
and uh, I'm not I'm not calling shenanigans at, at all at this just from what just from hype cycles because again I haven't seen much of any of these nominees but I know where the I know where the marketing blitzes are blitzes are happening so yeah what were you gonna say Troy oh nothing nothing I was gonna... okay all right all right let's go ahead and move on to the next story and this is actually speaking of Netflix. We're going to go ahead and, uh, and segue on to uh, this article that I brought up from Polygon. It says here, Knives Out 2 and 3 are now Netflix exclusives. And it says on its little, its little sub-headline, more like knives in your living room. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Knives Out, the hit 2019 whodunit from Star Wars The Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson, is getting two sequels, and now they're Netflix exclusives. According to Variety... Netflix bought the sequel rights at the absolutely staggering price of $450 million. Holy shit. I just got to pause right here and just say that that's like, that's like damn near half of their budget when it comes to like, they spend about a billion dollars in original content. They're literally like writing half of their check, their, their, their bank account on that. Damn. They're just, they're going in. Like before we even go on further, like what's your quick hot take on that amount? I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot, you know. That that's definitely a lot, you know what I mean. But I actually think it's a good move. All right, it says here in the article: the aggressive sum locks down the streamer as the home for two more mystery uh, mysteries starring Daniel Craig as Detective Benoit Blanc. The, with writer-director Ryan Johnson staying on board. The next film is expected to shoot in Greece later this year. Knives Out was a clever throwback to Agatha Christie-style murder mysteries with all their trappings, a cast full of eccentric people stuck in one location together, each with their own petty motives for murder most foul, and an eccentric detective deter, uh, determined to expose their secrets and find the truth, often with a tremendous, tremendously fun parlor room scene where the audience gets to piece it all together. The film dazzled at the box office grossing $311 million on a $40 million budget, making it extremely profitable. And with an Oscar nomination for Best Original Screenplay, the movie was also a critical success. Uh, No date has been set for either Knives Out sequel, but Johnson remains in demand and quite busy. He was recently was announced as the director for Peacock's forthcoming mystery TV series, Poker Face, starring Russian Dolls Natasha Lyonne, and who knows, maybe one day, his Star Wars trilogy, announced in 2017, will exit development hell and finally become real. Until then, we always have Benoit Blanc. So yeah, I was going to mention that as like, we talked about about a news story about a couple of uh, episodes ago where we said that, you know, um, Lucasfilm reiterated that Ryan Johnson's Star Wars uh, trilogy of films is still is still in development. And then your that. your your reply to that was, no, it's not. Shut the yeah, hell up. Yeah, I don't believe it. <laughs> so between like the, the Star Wars trilogy and this uh, a Peacock original streaming series now you got knives out two and three how is this how is ryan johnson making all of these projects all all at once yeah it's you know he's a busy man but he's a talented guy so like you know it doesn't surprise me that you know everybody is throwing stuff at him and he you know doing all these crazy deals because he's a talented guy you know and i've been saying like i love the last jedi if you really enjoy filmmaking you would love the last Jedi, but a lot of you know it's it's a bit different for Star Wars fans. But uh, I actually, you know, I'm a little bit torn on this news only because 
2019 was one of the greatest years of all time, and a lot of and for movies, and a, and the big reason why is because so many original films came into theaters that year, and uh, this was one of them, one of the original films that came to theaters, and now I don't think it's gonna come to theaters no more, you know, unless they Netflix put it out in theaters like they do with some of their projects. Uh, it's only gonna be in like in Los Angeles and New York just for awards contention. Yeah, so that you know that sucks that you know one of our original films that we you know got to see in theaters is only going to be on Netflix. But it's a, it's a very smart move for Netflix in my opinion because I think, you know, it was a hit for it was a hit for a reason, you know. I think it's it's going to be one of those new uh classic series that everybody's excited about, you know, that's going to one day if they do everything right and the movie still be good, they could be potentially billion dollar films. Well, I mean, it's not going to be in box in the theaters, but could be big enough to be billion dollar films because of how fun they are because of how good they are and things like that so netflix is trying to you know get the you know get them a franchise that people are excited about like you imagine like every time james bond comes out everybody talks about it you know everybody is on all of the you know it's everywhere you know and then it ends up you know having a huge box office you know, Netflix is trying to find them one of them series, you know, and uh, I think so. I think it's a smart move for Netflix, and uh, I'm excited about the second and third one, regardless. Yeah, um, I will say that I'm very much, like, in the in that ballpark, you know, Agatha Christie's style murder mysteries are, like, very few and far between, you know, like, they've been coming back in vogue with, like, uh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express and now Death on the Nile coming out later this year. Um, hopefully if it doesn't get delayed till next year. Um, but yeah, so as far as the whole situation goes, I mean, definitely, I can definitely see a situation where Daniel Craig is like the lead of the franchise and you got a whole new, uh, cast of characters. I don't really see a need, a need to bring back the old cast and stuff like that. It feels like their story is done, but there's always a new story to tell. And yeah, um, I don't, I guess I don't really have much to say other than I'm just very much shocked by the amount of money that they're throwing down simply because I know that they have a certain budget to a lot for original content and it feels like they are going over budget, which, um, you know, Netflix is not, is no stranger to, um, um, having, you know, making less money, um, in returns than they are, you know, putting in for original content. So, um, it feels like Netflix is still on in growth mode uh, when it comes to their company strategy, and um, it only benefits us, the consumers, as far as uh, as far as the streaming wars goes. Because since Netflix has so much competition uh, between like Disney Plus and all the other show, uh, services that we talked about last week on topic of the show, that they really uh, Netflix is and by no means are they are they um, you know sleeping at the wheel or letting other people come in there and eat their lunch, you know. So yeah. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, this last story comes from IGN. Um, the title of it says here, DC cancels New Gods movie and Aquaman spinoff movie, The Trench. So out with the old, out with the new. Interesting. All right. Ava, du Ava DuVernay's New Gods and James Wan's Aquaman spinoff, The Trench, are officially canceled at Warner Brothers and DC Films, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Quote, as part of our DC slate, some legacy development titles, including New Gods and The Trench, will not be moving forward. 
Warner Brothers and DC said in a statement to The Hollywood Reporter. We thank our partners Ava DuVernay, Tom King, James Wan, and Peter Safran for their time and collaboration during this process and look forward to our continued partnership with them on other DC stories. The project will remain in their skillful hands if they were to move forward in the future. Interesting. So that's very good PR speak. So if we're going to do it, we'll, we'll call them back. All right. The article continues. DuVernay took to Twitter uh, on Thursday to express her disappointment with the development. Quote, Tom, I loved writing New Gods with you, DuVernay wrote. I am upset that the saga of Barda, Scott, Granny, and Highfather, and the Furies end this way. Diving into Kirby's fourth world was the adventure of a lifetime. That can't be taken away. Thank you for your friendship, and remember, dar hashtag Darkside is. King sim similarly expressed his dismay at the project's cancellation and appreciation for du DuVernay's work. And, uh, yeah, so, by the way, in case you didn't know, uh, Ava DuVernay was, uh, she directed films such as Selma and uh, the, uh, what was that other movie, that one with Oprah, oh, A Wrinkle in Time. Um, but anyways, uh, Juan uh, from Saw and The Conjuring, who pre previously directed 2018's Aquaman, was similarly slated to produce a horror-focused spinoff uh, dubbed The Trench. The film would further explore the race of evil deep-sea creatures that Aquaman battles. Juan was also collaborating with longtime production partners Peter Safran. So, yeah, um, Troy... This kind of sort of runs counter to what you were talking about last week with DC just making interesting projects, you know, like just do their own thing. These movies are definitely like their own things from a concept standpoint. You know, the trench is, we saw the trench very briefly in Aquaman and they're gonna, they were gonna explore that little corner. The new gods, that has to do with, uh, you know, dark side and stuff like that. That's a whole different thing. And it feels like those like little interesting spin-off stories or side stories that, you know, don't really have much to do with the Justice League, like, you know, mainline stuff. It feels like if it feels like a like a like a step backwards, in my opinion, to cancel these movies with these creators, like these names of creators. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so well, did DC? I, did D, did like? Let me just go ahead and rephrase this. Did DC hand themselves an L? No. Nah, well, I fifty fifty with me, at least from my perspective. Like, I always thought the trench movie was a bad idea because it's like, how do you make a whole movie about? those creatures like they're mindless monsters that live in the sea like i i just never liked that idea i like the trench in the aquaman movie that was a cool little thing but i you know not everything is should be made out to be a movie you know what i mean so i think it was a good idea to cancel that now i was very excited about the new gods you know what i mean because like i'm a huge fan of dark side and his whole backstory yeah. his whole squad all of you know it, like it's just phenomenal stuff you know so to have a whole movie about that is like it's it's great but i kind of feel like because of the snyder cut you know coming out and you had dark side in that and you've seen a lot of like you know you've seen the dark sides henchmen and you know granny goodness and uh the side and you you got a little glimpse of uh apocalypse uh, the planet so, like, I think they were like, okay, we don't want to have this connect to this, especially if we already trying to put it into the Snyderverse stuff. We don't want to have people, you know, oh, this is a part of the Snyderverse. Or if the dark, if dark side was going to look completely different from the dark side that showed up in the Snyderverse uh, cut, you know, you would have had people, you know, boycotting it. And, you know, it, it, I could, I could just see 
you know, that movie being a problem, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, that's why they decided to cancel the movie. But I I was excited for the new guy, so I was a little bit sad. You know, when it comes to James Wan, you know, he did The Conjuring. He knows his horror, and uh, I I will say that uh, The Trench wasn't so much like, you know, because it was James Wan, because we I know what his strengths is, and what he his strengths been, are. But he wouldn't have directed that, though. He was going to act as a producer. So we don't know who would have came on to direct it, you know what I mean? And that's that's even more important than producing. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. They always they always throw, like, the producer's name in, in, in the that's trailers. How they, yeah, that's, that's what they do to get... That's what Hollywood does, right? Like, if, just say, a movie's coming out, and they know... Christopher Nolan, his name is bigger than whoever they have to direct it. They'll put produced Christopher by Christopher on, like, Nolan. The Man of Steel yeah, trailer. Right. And then they'll have you thinking like in your mind that, oh, Christopher Nolan's doing it. But no, he's actually just a producer. You know, he has nothing to do with how bad or good the movie comes out. You see what I mean? So, uh, you know, that's one of the things you always got to look you know, think about when they say produced by James Wan. Okay, but if I go to direct it, even if it's produced by James Wan, I'm sure it's not going to be a good movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. So, um, I, I yeah, I think I think I think it is a big loss, especially because you know, like I feel like it is very politically incorrect in these in this current climate to be uh, canceling you know a woman of color's project. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's yeah, that, that's that an... right there is a big deal, and I think that's probably why I think that's probably why they made sure to say how you know if you know they decide to go on with the movie she's coming back and they look forward to working with her on different stuff you know they I think they tried to make sure they covered themselves pretty well in that situation but it sucks because one of the things I feel like DC isn't doing and they're not taking advantage of and marvel not really but kind of they have a little bit with guardians of the galaxy and with uh captain marvel but i feel like we don't see enough outer space stuff you know in in these superhero movies i feel like you have a chance to make something like star wars to a certain degree when it comes to outer space and like i don't understand dc they they should have been done a green lantern movie you know where it's take all takes place out of space outer space it would have been fantastic or a new guys where it all takes place outer space like that i could see that being a huge hit because it feels like a galaxy far far away you know what i mean and uh i just don't know why they're not i mean they do plan on doing a uh a, a, a green lantern show so who knows all right, let's go ahead and move on to extra news. Number one, Sony delays Resident Evil movie. Number two, The, the Witcher Season 2 finished filming. Number three, Venom 2 and Mortal Kombat movie each get delayed a week. Number four, Tom Holland's Uncharted release date, oh, I'm sorry, Tom Holland's Uncharted release date delayed one week. Number five, Thundercats movie in the works with Godzilla vs. Kong director Adam Wingard. Number six, only 36% of people who started watching Zack Snyder's Justice League actually finished watching it. Number seven, Zendaya confirmed to be the voice of Lola Bunny in Space Jam, A New Legacy. Number eight, Steven Yeun to star in Jordan Peele's next movie with Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya. So... I'm not going to lie, Troy, it is a bit of a slow news week, but is yeah. there any headlines here that are ca- that's catching your attention? Uh, the headline that, you know, kind of 
caught my attention is the Venom 2 and Mortal Kombat movies uh, getting delayed. You know, I just, I, I feel like Mortal Kombat, that's a mistake because Mortal Kombat, I feel like it's right around the corner. Like you was already, people was already, you released the trailer. I think that's the big mistakes that movie studios do. Like when you release a trailer and, and if the movie is supposed to come out like not that long, like in three weeks or a month or so. I don't think it's a good idea to, to push it back. You know what I'm saying? Because you built this hype, you built the hype, you built the hype, and then you almost deflate the hype. You know, one of the things that Godzilla vs. Kong did that was so smart is they released a trailer and the movie was coming out like a month and a half later. You know what I'm saying? But you just spend that whole solid month and a half to, you know, promote the movie and get people hyped about it. And I feel like... uh you know, like Mortal Kombat had a lot of hype. Now, as far as far as Venom Two, I don't know what you know that, that movie. I don't know what the release date. I mean, that movie was coming out for it's going to be a while anyway. So I don't think that's that big of a deal. But I just felt like you know, with Mortal Kombat, they should have gone ahead and released it. So, and I don't understand it coming out on HBO Max, right? Like, why yeah. delay a HBO Max movie? I just don't understand that. Like. To me, that just don't make... Maybe because they want, you know, to have Godzilla vs. Kong have, like, legs and people only think about Godzilla vs. Kong for a number of weeks. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that 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 is... Uh, I don't know. That wasn't that smart to me. And then also the, you know, the Zack Snyder Justice League, people only watching 36%. Watching it, it's like, really? Come on now. Like, of course, only 30. Like, it, the movie's four hours long. It's probably people that still haven't finished watching it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that don't make... I just, it's just these numbers. And it's weird because these these the type of numbers that make me feel like people are hating on something. Because you never hear... You never hear about none of the streaming services. Like, uh, the movies or content that come out on streaming services. You never hear about the percentage of how long it's been watched. You never hear that. You know, like I bet you you're not gonna hear about the percentage of how much uh Godzilla vs. Kong was watched or how much a new Netflix show that just comes out is watched. Like you never hear that. But now with this, it's like, oh look, 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 only this amount of people watched it. That must mean it's like really it's four hours long. Like I was just on the phone with a friend of mine yesterday and he was like he was talking about my video that I, I just posted on my YouTube channel and he was like yeah, man, I watched like half of the uh, your you uh, your YouTube video, but I didn't want to watch the other half because I still want to watch uh, the rest of Justice League. And I'm like, oh, you still haven't seen the whole? I'm like, nah, man, I'm like halfway through. So I'm like, you know what I mean? So it's like that. That's the reason why, right there. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know, man. That just seems a bit ridiculous to me to to really be, you know that. And then on top of that, you might have people who finish the movie and don't watch like the epilogue you know what i mean or you might have people that finish the first three acts and just haven't finished the fourth act yet they seen most of the movie right so it's, it's just i don't know it's just like one of them things to try to disappoint all of the, the the snyder cut fans i think that's the that's the only you know reason behind all of these weird stats that are coming out <laughs> yeah um as far as my my take on these uh, these headlines and stuff like that, number one, I didn't even know uh, the Resident Evil movie was even happening. That a Resident Evil movie was happening, that's to say. Um, I found that out on last week's episode of Ready Press Play, which is the game podcast, which is a sister show you should definitely check out as well. Um, but as far as that goes, there's that. Um, 
The Witcher 2, I remember seeing it like on Twitter. It's like, oh yeah, we finally wrapped filming and stuff like that. Apparently, there was some production delays because of COVID and also because of an onset injury. So uh, now they finally finished filming, and so we'll probably be getting a trailer and a release date pretty soon. Um, as far as your take on the Mortal Kombat situation, I agree. Um, you know, there's been a lot of trailers and a lot of uh, movie posters and like a lot of online marketing blitzes that have been happening that said April 16th on it, on like the image and the promotional material. And now you got to re-release a new trailer with the new release date and stuff like that. And to me, like I have, I, I have yet to look at an actual news source or news story about the Mortal Kombat delay that makes any sense as to why, why delay that movie just one week. And especially when it's due out in three weeks from now, you know, or right. two and a half for us now at the time of recording. So yeah, now it's um, now it's due out three and a half weeks from now. But whatever. Anyways, so yeah. And as far as Venom Two, I believe the reason why they might have uh, uh, delayed it a week for for Venom Two is I think a movie got de- delayed and got pushed to that day which I guess they didn't want to compete, which I want to say it might have been the Disney film Death on the Nile, um, which I talked about just a while ago. Um, I think they wanted to just, you know, get away so that they don't open on the same weekend so that there's like only one big movie opening that weekend and then it's going to be Venom 2. So I think that's what happened with that. Um, I don't know what happened with Uncharted, but apparently the Uncharted movie also got delayed a week as well. Um, and it's also it's nice to see that uh, that Adam Wingard, he just got a very big win, a very big W from Godzilla vs. Kong. And now he's got like his next his next work lined up with the Thundercats movies. So um, yeah. hopefully that's hopefully that turns out awesome. I mean, awesome. that doesn't surprise me because, like I said, he's a star. Like if you watch that movie, he's a star. Yeah, yeah. So also, I just wanted to say, as far as the the Zendaya thing, I'm actually kind of surprised that they're announcing so late in the game. You know, like this movie's out is due out in a couple of months, and now they're just now saying that Zendaya's cast is Lola Bunny. You know, uh, first off. That's a very it's very late to be talking about, you know, your voice actor like being. But also, number two, do we even need someone famous to be voicing Lola Bunny? You know what I mean? Like it just seems weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that, that I don't know. Like I but I realize that Hollywood does that because just for marketing purposes, you don't need a lot of uh, most of the voice acting. You don't need a superstar celebrity to do it. Like literally you could just get anybody that's good. But I think that's a lot of times for marketing purposes. Yeah. Also, uh, I mean, I'm sure Steven Yeun is, you know, he's definitely, he's an Oscar nominee now. And, um, hopefully yeah, Jordan Peele's next joint is going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, seeing the cast of Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya, it's going to be awesome. So I'm happy that I'm happy for that. And uh, apparently I was digging into it and the, the genre and any plot details are being kept under wraps at this present time. So, yeah. All right. So with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and and move on to check this out. Check this out. So. For this week on Check This Out, we have probably the most number of trailers to talk about in any segment, any time we've ever done Check This Out. Six trailers came out within the last week. So not going to lie, um, I'm actually surprised by one of them. There was a, a brand new Suicide Squad 2 trailer that came out, which is crazy because it came out within, a, within one week of the first Suicide Squad 2 trailer. So Troy, before we even talk about it, why the hell release two trailers within a week of each other? 
Well, I think it was a, a a good idea because, like, I seen the second trailer in theaters, and I was surprised because when I was watching Godzilla vs. Kong, I didn't know that it was another trailer. So, like, when I'm watching I'm like, wait, this ain't the trailer I seen, you know? But, but it was smart because it's like you almost made a trailer for YouTube where people could, you could show the blood and show that it's rated R and, you know, it could be a real red band trailer. And then you release, like, the theater trailer where, like, just for people that's going to see whatever theaters that's, you know, currently, I mean, what whatever movies are currently showing in theaters, it could, you know, show you suicide squad you know what i mean so it's actually pretty smart because it wasn't like if you watch the second suicide squad trailer it's not like a whole different ex trailer it's it's almost to do the same thing just to get you excited about suicide squad so it's not necessarily like trailer one and then you know how months later trailer two it's not really like that it's like a just a different version of the trailer they had with you know less of New the footage. violent shit yeah right yeah yeah. So yeah, I, I actually did like the new Suicide Squad trailer too, as well. So um, yeah, you get the I, uh, for all the trailers we're talking about here and check this out. All the links are in the show notes as well, as always. Um, there's Percy versus Goliath, which is like a drama movie that's coming out later this month on April 30th. It's starring uh, Christopher Walken with doing his uh, his Christopher Walken. You know, <laughs> I can't even do it. I'm not even gonna try to do it. Whatever. Uh, so it looks like one of those yeah. like you know. <laughs> it was, those drama movies and stuff like that so um yeah and then the space jam a new legacy trailer dropped finally um gotta say that uh i'm sort of not digging it like i'm like i was predisposed predisposed to liking it but it kind of feels like they're going in this ready player one kind of style yeah. you know they have like the iron giant like running around and stuff like yeah. it definitely reminds me of ready player one and uh um, you know, they got these servers and these like these like virtual worlds and stuff like that. It's just like, come on, man, do you really got to do that? But whatever. Um, still probably gonna watch it, of course, day and date. You know, day one. But I'm already like my expectations are now dropped. But you know, whatever. Uh, Black Widow trailer. This this trailer looks awesome. There's so much more action and stuff like that. I'm just so I am just genuinely surprised that Disney has been managing to hold back some some footage and some cool cutscenes cut and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping that they're not giving away all the goods because they keep on putting out Black Widow trailers because of the release date changes and stuff like that. So yeah, I hope they didn't give away the whole movie by the time you know uh, the movie does come out. Um, the Loki trailer looks awesome. Loki's being Loki. And a spiral. There's a new spiral from the Book of Saw, which I, I like how they had to put from the Book of Saw because you know it's the Saw franchise. Yeah. A new spiral trailer with with uh, with Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson is out. Very creepy, very very scary, and uh, yeah. Um, have you seen all of these trailers as well? Yeah, I seen all of the trailers, and uh, I'm not really impressed with none of like. Okay, so I like the Loki trailer, but the Loki trailer. It's similar to what you were saying about the Suicide Squad 2 trailer. Like, why would you put out another trailer? I believe this is the third trailer. And it's like the, the the show ain't even about to come out yet. I mean, it's not far away, but it's not like around... It's a little over two months away. Huh? A little over two months yeah, away. Yeah, a little over two months away. It's like, you know, you might as well save this trailer for like two weeks away. You see what I'm saying? Especially if you already got two other trailers out. You see what I'm saying? So I, I didn't really see the point in another Loki trailer. And I was already blown away by the other Loki trailers. I mean, they, like, had me hooked already. So I didn't need a, thir a third one. And then if they have a fourth trailer, then I'm going to feel like that's ridiculous. And then, 
the spiral uh, trailer from the Book of Saw. Like, I like the first trailer. Like, a, a trailer came out a while ago, like, I think before the pandemic. Yeah. And I was very excited about it, you know, and it was and like... I remember- I remember on this very same podcast, you put it on your list of most anticipated movies of 2021. Yeah, yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. And, uh, but, you know, this trailer, I did not like this trailer, though. I, oh! Yeah, I didn't, mainly because Chris Rock's acting. You know, Chris Rock, to me, is the GOAT when it comes to comedians. And I love his last movie he uh, starred in and he directed uh, called Top 5. But, and then he actually wrote this one, you know, so, and I was excited because I think he's a genius writer. But I just look at his acting and it, it was like, I'm like, man, if he's the lead and his acting ain't that good, then this is going to be hard for this movie to make it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I don't I don't really wow. know, you know, and then it, it was some directing choices that I don't know if I like, like the weird tint that the movie has, like it has this weird tint to it. And I think it's trying to make it like the the dark, you know, uh, saw kind of films or like the scary type of films. But the, it's just annoying to me. So, I don't know. Like, I like the first trailer. I didn't really like this trailer. So, I'm kind of 50-50 on it, you know. Uh, but I'm still excited for it. But it I, it kind of went down. And then the Space Jam trailer, it was terrible to me. Like, Oh, it, wow. I didn't even go. You know what? I agree with you. But I didn't say that, though. Yeah, like, to <laughs> me, it was terrible, you know. But, to be fair. The first Space Jam movie was terrible, you know, and it was still a... You shut your whore mouth. It, it was still a <laughs> classic, you know what I mean? Like, I think, like, if you, you know, uh, sometimes movies go for guilty movie pleasure. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's literally what some movies go... Like, some movies aren't made to be good, you know? It sound, as crazy as that sounds, if you go back and watch the first Space Jam, like... It's so it has so many moments, nostalgic moments in it because it, you know it's that's what it's going for nostalgia, fun, you know, for kids, you know, things like that. And I think that's what this movie is going for. I don't think this movie is trying to be a good movie by any means, but it is kind of weird because the Looney Tunes they're not as popular as they once was. So I don't know if this is gonna be a hit or not. You know, maybe LeBron James can bring a lot of people to want to go see it, but. I don't know, like and like you, I don't like the the style they're going with, and and I feel like the fact that they bringing in like Iron Giant and doing like a Ready Play One type of move. I mean, uh, um, what's that movie called? Ready Player One. Ready yeah, Player One. Like the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's all running around like a squad. Yeah. The reason yeah. why I think they're doing that is because the, I feel like they don't have faith in the Looney Tunes either. Like they're like, damn, <laughs> the Looney Tunes. They haven't been relevant. Like literally, the Looney Tunes. I don't even know when the last time the Looney Tunes been on television. Like. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like a lot of younger kids today don't even know who the fuck the Looney Tunes are. You see what I'm saying? So, I, I feel like they're bringing in a lot of other stuff to try to make up for that, you know? So, I don't know, and it felt weak to me. So, yeah, like, a lot of these trailers, man, I wasn't blown away by In the Black Widow trailer, this was the best Black Widow trailer. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Th this was the best ba Black Widow trailer put out. I wasn't a fan of the other two Black Widow trailers. I'm not, like, blown away by this trailer, but it, it does it's a it's a huge step up from the other trailer so yeah but you know i wasn't you know this this trailer we actually the suicide squad trailers i love those trailers you know the them trailers was fantastic mainly because i feel like in this era of comic book movies i feel like com it's more important for comic book movies to be different 
to like feel different to because or else it's going to start getting repetitive and that's not good for the genre you know what i mean like if all the movies start to feel the same and all of them they're going to start getting repetitive and that's not good for the comic book movie genre so anytime i see a movie like suicide squad and it's completely different from anything i've seen before i think that's good so yeah it's a bit weird but i don't know i think i'm gonna like it all right so let's go ahead and move on to the next segment It's time for topic of the show. Okay, so for topic of the show this week, I actually have a bit of a, you know, I just wanted to talk really about this one random news story that we overlooked a couple weeks ago. Um, something that was pertaining to the Oscars, and, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to do a whole long a long diatribe about it, but let's just go ahead and just talk about this. Um, I got this, uh, this article from Deadline, and it reads, Oscar producers are facing backlash and logistical headaches after requiring nominees to attend the ceremony in person, not on Zoom. So, yeah, so the good news is that the Oscars are charging uh, forward with their plans for the big show on Sunday, April 25th. The bad news is that uh, a few nominees may not be there. So going against other award shows and the reality of the COVID era, the Academy informed all nominees last week via a letter that there would be no Zooming allowed and that all acceptance speeches could only be done by actually attending the Academy Awards in person at Union Station in downtown Los Angeles, one of two locations um, that's being employed by the show, Uh, the other being the the Dolby Theater in Hollywood for the other production elements. So, uh, like the song numbers and stuff like that. So, anyways, that's uh, that's as far as I'm going to go with the Deadline article. So, it's... I just wanted to ask you, like, or just talk about this and just talk about, like, how, you know, we've been, like, we've been seeing other award shows, like the Golden Globes, you know, do, like, um, you know, Zoom meetings and stuff like that, where they're, they're uh, doing a virtual award shows, they're accepting their, their awards remotely. Um, it also, I'd also want to go ahead and just add to it that these actors, a bunch of actors are still working. You know, they are filming something. Um, a lot of actors, they have to go into isolation or, like, be on closed sets, you know, that are, like, very strict when it comes to outside outsiders and stuff like that so that they're quarantining correctly. Um, so I'm pretty sure, like, you know, certain, you know, productions are, like, in Australia or in Europe or whatever. They're not going to want to have to fly all the way to Los Angeles to come to the award shows you know, party for a night and then come back, you know, go back to filming. That's not how this works. So what is your take on this, uh, on this, on this, uh, on this ruling? And, uh, yeah, let me hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, to me, it feels a bit selfish, you know, it seems a bit selfish mainly because it's like, how are you not going to give them a choice? Like, it's different if you say, you know, you guys can not attend, or whatever and do it through some kind of zoom situation or you can attend and it's and you know maybe uh specify that it'll be better if you do attend or whatever the case may be however you want to do it but to say like oh if you're not there you can't say your speech and you can't do the, the like it that sucks especially for for people that if this is going to be their first oscar or first oscar nomination like it puts a real stra- strain on them because they're like they're thinking like okay like you said, my my production is not going to allow me to leave 
during this COVID era, but I do want to accept my Oscar. This is a one in a lifetime situation. You know what I mean? Like some of the greatest actors of all time either only have one Oscar or never won. So, you know, this is not like a thing that's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'll miss this year, but I, you know, don't worry, I'll be up for another one next year. Like, no, you know what I mean? So, it just seems selfish to me, and uh, I just think they don't want to deal with all of the problems that comes with Zoom and doing things remotely. It, 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 it is a headache, don't get me wrong, but that still not doesn't make it fair, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do this, just push the shit back, or if you're going to do this, just, like I said, they probably should have just canceled the Oscars this year and combined the, the, the two Oscars together. Or whatever, but like it ain't right for you to do, you know, what y'all are trying to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just really, it's just really weird because, you know, these are like extenuating circumstances, you know, like, you know, the Oscars have been known for like the presenters like accepting or either the presenters or someone else coming into the stage and it's like, I'm accepting this on their behalf and then walking away kind of thing or whatever. Like those, those kind of situations where they've always done that thing where somebody uh, comes in as a, as a third party to like, you know, do that. And uh, this is not one of those situations where it makes sense. You know, like you, uh, there's too many logistical things happening on so many people's schedules and, you know, closed sets and stuff like that. And, and not to mention, you know, COVID isn't over, you know, as much as people are starting to go back to normal and normal life and getting inoculated, you know, these are not a situation where everyone is. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, if the Oscars were to make that ruling where it's like, okay, you can vir- accept it virtually, that's not one of those things where it's set it's setting a precedent and, you know, next year's it's going to be okay for you to, you know, saying it's okay this year doesn't say it's going to be okay next year go- and going forward. And so I think that they're, you know, the Oscars are, the, the people that are running the Oscars, they pretty much got to stick up their ass right now. And uh, I think they're, it almost, people, you know, it's kind of funny is that, People criticize the Oscars for being out of touch. And this shit right here just proves that. Mm. So, yep. uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to say other than uh, beyond that. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No, no. Other than I agree. <laughs> All right. So that was probably the quickest topic of the show that we've ever done here. So with that being said, let's go ahead and just uh, and wrap up the show here with the last two segments. Let's go ahead and move on to Netflix and chill. So for Netflix and chill, we talk about the charts and also give a recommendation for a movie that you can watch on a streaming service right now. So let's go ahead and first start off with the top 10 things that are streaming on Netflix. And number one, it's called it's Who Killed Sarah, which I believe was number three last week. So congrats on the uh, on the uptick. Number two was Concrete Cowboy, which was the, the new release of the week, which I predicted was going to open at number one, by the way. Uh, it's starring Idris Elba. Uh, but OK, whatever. Number two, second second fiddle, that's fine. Number three is What Lies Below. Number four is an old movie uh, starring Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis called Friends with Benefits. For some odd reason, that trend that trended. Uh, number five is Hop, which which I just talked about how it was the uh, ten year anniversary of that movie, and I just realized that you know this past weekend was Easter was Easter Sunday, so that probably makes sense. Uh, number six is The Serpent. Number seven is Bad Trip, which fell from number one. That's a huge fall. Uh, <laughs> number eight is The Irregulars. Number nine is White Boy. And number 10 is Sniper Ghost Shooter. 
So uh, you've seen you see this list, Troy. Is there anything that stands out to you? Yeah, shout out to friends with benefits. You know, I always, I don't know like. I like that movie. I just always did. You know what I mean? You know, that movie was hilarious. I saw it in theaters with my friends, and mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson steals every scene he's yep, in, by yep. the way. He sure does. Yeah, man. That movie was funny as hell. I like I like Friends with Benefit. And uh, shout out to uh, Hop. You know what I'm saying? Uh, shout out to Hop. And, uh, oh, and Concrete Cowboy. Concrete Cowboy. You know, that's one that I want to see, and I still haven't seen it, but... I mean, I'm liking what I'm hearing so far. You predicted it to be number one, but, I mean, it's number two. That's close enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I only, I, I liked, uh, I've, I'm not, I've never seen Hop before because I wasn't in that age range or whatever, but I did see the trailer for it, and uh, there was this one moment in Hop where um, he was like, uh, this guy was, this this character was threatening James oh, Marsden's yeah. character. <laughs> And I guess you already know what I'm talking about, yeah. but there's this part where he was like, I am doing a coup d'etat. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and he's like, oh, and it, it's French for coup d'etat. And he's like, oh. <laughs> that movie is nostalgic, man. Dude, that movie, <laughs> I was an adult when that movie came out. I can't believe it's already nostalgic. That's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that coup d'etat moment. That, that's the part. That's the part of that, that, that. They knew what they were doing when they cut that trailer. Yeah, yeah shit. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to the top ten things that are that are um, playing on iTunes. At number one, it's Raya and the Last Dragon. So I'm assuming that they did because of the whole 90 day thing that they're doing with uh, Disney Plus. Uh, Disney's like, we need to hurry up and make our movie, so m- make our money, because in like 60 days from now, it's going to be free on Disney Plus. So they're charging people not just on uh, Disney Plus with that 30-day access thing, but they're also charging people on iTunes and Amazon and other paid services. So it debuts at number one on iTunes, uh, Ryan the Last Dragon. At number two, for some odd reason, Wonder Woman 1984 climbed up to number two. That's crazy. Number three, Promising Young Woman. Number four, The Vault. Number five, News of the World. Number six, I shit you not, you can watch Hop on Netflix like straight up without having to pay money for it but people are paying money to see hop on itunes at number six <laughs> what that the hell that's crazy man <laughs> that shit's funny uh, man okay yeah all right so there you go number seven i guess because it's easter sunday like you know it's people are hella religious now yeah. the ten commandments yeah. at yeah. number seven from the 1956 movie uh, so yeah, that's that's crazy. That they brought what, that way back. Yeah, they brought that, that way some... back. I know, right? Like the, shit, they must have like done some some kind of, some kind of 4K master or something like that. I don't... <laughs> Dude, like this movie is uh, this movie is 65 years old. It turned 65 this year, depending on when it came out. It might already be 65. Um, but anyways, we don't even do t- uh, Back to the Future that far back. But anyways, but whatever. Um, next up, number eight is Risen. Number nine, The Crude's A New Age. And number 10, because it's Easter Sunday, <laughs> Passion of the Christ. What the, oh, my God. Why am I laughing so boy. much? Why am I laughing so much with this chart? Yeah. Troy, give me your commentary on this. Man, like, I think, man, iTunes got the weirdest list ever. Like, I don't I wonder, like, what the hell goes on with iTunes. I, You know what I think? I think a lot, not a lot of people watch iTunes. So, like, it literally be, like, 
the first 10 things that people done watch or like the top 10 things that people done watched in the last day or something. And that'd be the top 10 list because it's like, it's always some weird shit on the top 10 list of iTunes. Like Tenet going back from number one to number five to back to number two to, you know, then you get something like Wonder Woman 1984 just out of nowhere jumping way to number two. Like what the hell? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then like you getting all these religious movies. I, I understand it was, it was just Easter, but golly, like, <laughs> you know, so I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's weird. You know, I, I need to do some investigating on the iTunes top 10, you know, see what, what the hell going on. You know, did you notice anything that was weird about the iTunes top 10 besides what we already talked about? Uh, other than Tenant not being in the top there 10. There you go. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to see. I wanted to see if you were going to notice that. But yeah, this is the first week since we started this charts where Tenet is not in the top 10 at all. As a matter of fact, I scrolled down, and it was all the way at number 18. See, that's the shit I'm talking about. How how does it go from, and it wouldn't surprise number- me if next week, oh, it's back at number 8. Look, like, it, <laughs> it's so weird, man. The iTunes list is the only, you know, list that don't never make any sense to me. Like, Yeah, I think it was, like, number 6 last week, so... Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. I just wanted to throw that out there. I was like, yo, look, let me just see what happened with Tenet. And so number 18, like, geez. All right, next up, the top 10 on Amazon Prime Video. Now, this is something a little bit more straightforward here. Um, Chaos Walking is now apparently up for premium video on demand. You can, you know, which is kind of crazy because it wasn't even on the iTunes chart, but whatever. Chaos Walking at number one. Number two, Raya and the Last Dragon. Number three, Judas and the Black Messiah. Number four, Minari. Number five, News of the World. Number six, The Crudes, A New Age. Number seven, The Little Things. Number eight, The Father. Number nine, Promising Young Woman. Number 10, The Maritanian. Now, it should be noted that all 10 of these movies are the 4K versions of the, of the, uh, of the movie. So, um, again, another shout out to the 4K uh, people that are uh, renting or buying these movies. Um, so, I guess HD is, uh, is, uh, is, in a, is losing out now. So, I guess more people have 4K TVs. Um, before I throw it to you here, I just wanted to go ahead and say that Judas and the Black Messiah and the little things were stuff that you could have watched uh, on HBO Max during their 30-day window. And now for those that didn't watch it or didn't subscribe to HBO Max, you are now forced to pay for your content on a, you know, a, a la carte. So, sucks to be you, but, you know, there you go. I'm <laughs> just yeah. saying that just for, for a little bit jokingly as well, you know. But, uh, yeah, uh, what did you think of the of this more straightforward list? Yeah, the the um, the um 4K. I think, wasn't they all 4K last time? Last week. Yeah, I wonder they were if they got a thing week. where they're, they're only doing 4K now. I wonder if that's a thing, you know, because, like, all of them in 4K? Yep, I checked. Uh, when I was pulling up the list, uh, you can see which version is the one that they picked because some sometimes we saw weeks where like a movie charted twice in the top ten because one was the HD version. So yeah, I yeah. mean, and it makes sense because it's like if you can show the best quality, why not? Like you see what I'm saying? Like what sense does it make to like oh HD or 4K? Let's let's just pick 4K because even if you got an HD TV, it's just it's just gonna show. You know what I'm saying? Not as good, but it's not like it's gonna damn it like it ain't gonna do anything you see what i'm saying so uh yeah but i I like the idea you know but i like how they got judas and the black messiah on there you know what i'm saying in 4k you know they got like things like the little things like amazon like when i look at this list 
this list makes more sense to be a top 10 list to me than like <laughs> iTunes. You see what I'm saying? Like Chaos Walking, yeah, it doesn't look like a good movie, but it is new. So it makes sense for people to want to, you know, check it out. You know what I mean? So Ryan, The Last Dragon, I'm surprised that's number two. I thought Chaos Walking would be number two. From a quality perspective, Raya's better movie. But, right, you know, so, but, you know, I don't know. But I just look at this top ten list, and I'm like, okay, I see why this is all this is on the top ten. But I look at iTunes, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I had fun. This is probably the most fun I've, had, I've ever had reading a charts, by the way, I just got to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, I'm just surprised that Chaos Walking is nowhere in the iTunes top ten, by the way. So I, I, I should probably look at like, who was in the 11th or 20th spots. Again, see. we need to investigate iTunes, like, real talk. <laughs> they should be weird, man. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if Godzilla vs. Kong came out on iTunes, but it's not even in the top ten. Like, it'll be like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just like laughing how Hop was like being paid for by people on iTunes. But people like, fuck, you know. fuck getting it free. I want to pay for this shit. Like, it's so good. I want to spend my money on this. Like, you, oh my god, people are weirdos. But it just shows that you know people watch what they watch. Like these were probably people that have iTunes and don't have Netflix. You said, or they don't know what's on Netflix. Or, but yeah, whatever. Or Anyways, they're not sticking with yeah, right. So you know. Yeah, my recommendation for the week is something. Like I don't really feel like I need to like hype it up. I usually like to hype it up, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Saving Private Ryan, it's on Netflix. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if like for some odd reason it trends and makes the top ten next week on top things on. Because you know sometimes you would get like an old weird movie from like you know just trending in the top ten. So listeners, go and try and make Saving Private Ryan trend on the top ten if you guys manage. And if it does trend next week and we talk about it on charts, I'm totally taking credit for it. By the uh-huh. way, uh, for sure. <laughs> and then did, uh, didn't you have? Saving Private Ryan, that's like one of your... I, I feel like we talked about Saving Private Ryan recently. We talked too. about it whenever we were talking about like Steven Spielberg as one of my favorite directors. Okay, okay, okay. We, yeah. we, we mentioned it, but yeah. Um, Tom Hanks, Matt Damon. Matt Damon was barely in it, actually. He was Ryan, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, it's kind of funny. I, was like, I, remember, I, I actually genuinely remember watching it in theaters and stuff like that. And I remember uh, uh, my older brother uh, making uh, like that funny snide comment uh, when we were driving home from the movie theater. He's like, they should make a parody of that movie called Saving Ryan's Privates. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny as hell. It's uh, probably like a porn parody, if anything. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I remember... Th- I remember that one particular line when you were talking about on the car ride home. And uh, yeah, that movie was just intense. You know, that movie has been like, yeah. it was that, that one opening trench sequence and stuff like that. And like that, that's the most iconic scene. And I remember seeing so many parodies of it since, yeah, uh, including like in Conqueror's Bad Fur Day for the Nintendo six, Nintendo 64. And like, you know, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, a good great, movie. It's a great um, movie. And like, if you're young, don't watch it yet. It'll fuck you up. Oh, yeah, most definitely, yeah. Um, um, all-time classic, and uh, you can watch it right now on Netflix without, you know, if you're already a Netflix subscriber, you can watch it there. Troy, do you got a recommendation for the week? Um, I don't, not this week. <laughs> all right, all good, all good. All right, let's go ahead and move on and close out the show with new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So for new releases, actually, we only, it's actually very short. We've been getting blessed with like a lot of stuff, but this week it's just two things. Um, They're both, um, it's going to be, let's, let's, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll see what the pick of the week is. Um, All right. First up, we have 
Voyagers, which is uh, out this Friday on April the 9th, and uh, yeah, exclusive to theaters. It's the synopsis reads: A crew of astronauts of a multi-generational mission descends into paranoia and madness, not knowing what is real and what is not. And it, the, the film stars Ty Sheridan, Lily Rose Depp, who is actually Johnny Depp's daughter, uh, Fionn Whitehead, who is actually one of the leads in Dunkirk, uh, Colin Farrell, Shantae Adams, Isaac Hempstead Wright, which is one of the uh, the actors from Game of Thrones, uh, Vivek uh, Kalra, Archie Renault, Archie uh, Maddox-Quay, and Quintessa Swindle. So aside from those last couple of names and stuff, I just looking at the names of the cast that I shouted out. It's a very good cast. Uh, Troy, what do you got to say about uh, Voyagers? Have you seen the trailer for it? Nah, but I, I'm glad that that man, Finn Whitehead, uh, Whitehead, I think that's his name. I'm glad that he was getting a star in another movie because he was so good in Dunkirk. And I just felt like all those actors didn't really get the credit that much because it's not that much dialogue. So I don't think... There was cast. I mean, they don't, I don't think they're been, been, you know, cast in a lot of other Hollywood movies. So I'm glad he's getting uh, another say so. But this is actually my friend Saul's most. For some reason, he's really excited about this movie. So um, I'm gonna have to check it out and see why he's so excited and why this is gonna be something special. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the trailer a couple of times. Like I even saw it one time. I was in theaters. I forgot what movie I was when, you know, when I, when I went to the theaters to go watch a movie recently. Um, but yeah. Um, the next up is Thunder Force, which is out this Friday on Netflix. And the synopsis reads, Two childhood best friends reunite as an unlikely crime-fighting superhero duo when one invents a formula that gives ordinary people superpowers. The film stars Melissa McCarthy, Octavia Spencer, Jason Bateman, Bobby Cavanaugh, Palm Clement, uh, Clementif, Kevin Dunn, and Melissa Leo. And uh, I know Palm Clementine, she was Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, by the way. Um, so, yeah, that's a good cast. Uh, it's a comedy. I've seen the trailer. We talked about it on Check This Out a couple weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, we got two selections here, um, a run-of-the-mill comedy on Netflix and a, a crazy uh, paranoid thriller in theaters. So uh, what's your pick of the week, Troy? My pick of the week is um, it got to be – the Melissa McCarthy film, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I like I, how that was a hard choice for you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Well, the reason why it's a hard choice, because to be honest, like, I don't care about none of these movies at all. But I do, the, the, um, I actually, I'm ready to see Octavia Spencer. She's one, she is actually my favorite black actress, if you will, in Hollywood. So, you know, that, that's anytime I see her and she picks a lot of good work. So even if it's a comedy, if it's a drama, if it's anything, it's, I'm sure it's going to be something that I need to watch. So I'm going to have to check out that film. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'll be watching uh, thunder force, uh, this weekend. Um, I'll probably have impressions for you next week. I'm not really too big on Voyagers. Like I've seen the trailer, and as as great as the cast is, by the way, that's I, I know who Ty Sheridan is. I know who Colin Farrell is. You know what I mean? Like as great as the cast is, like this the trailer didn't really do it for me. Um, so I probably have to, I'll probably wait to see it. Um, despite the fact that I'm an AMC A list member, which means I can literally just go watch it. But yeah, no, I'll probably pass on that one. So Thunder Force, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with that thunder force uh yeah so anyways hey we've we're, we're over time so we're gonna go ahead and call it there and now 
the end is near And so I face the final curtain it is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy. At BracyTroy58. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Yes. Yes.